what a fascinating chat. Thank you to everybody. Hundreds of people texting yeah. in their ideas on our taxation system and how it could better operate. Uh, on the line with us is Jeff Nightingale. He is a tax partner and board member of PwC. I think he worked on the tax working group as well and had a heavy input into that. Jeff, a very good afternoon to you. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Simon. Hi, James. Mate, thank you for making yourself available for 15-odd minutes. It's really good of you because we know how busy you are. But I, I, the reason this has come about, Jeff, I read John Minto's editorial, and I'm completely torn now. I've heard so many arguments for our tax system, for and against, you know, whether GST is regressive tax. Minto's arguing that it's a regressive tax and that unfairly uh, taxes the lowest earners, and it's particularly tough on them, and he wants GST done away with. Can we do away with G GST, and would it help the poor? Yeah, so look, it was a, it's a good article, and um, he's right that GST is a regressive tax um, because generally... <clears throat> so GST applies to mainly to uh, our things that we buy, um, you know, food um, and all of that, and whilst rents are not subject to GST, GST is effectively built in there because they, the person who builds the house has to pay GST on those costs. Um, so really, if you're consuming all of your income to stay to stay alive, you, you're paying GST on everything. Mm. If, if you can, say, afford to save half your income, there's no GST on savings, mm. then you're only paying GST on half your income. So in a, in a proportionate sense, it is regressive, as, as um, John's article pointed out. Um, but... And, and, and therefore, it does it does affect the, the poor more than it affects the wealthy. That's the whole point of being regressive. Mm. But two things: one one is we we can't really do away with it. It's it's a very significant tax for us now. It's thirty odd billion dollars, um, and and you know unless the government was going to slash spending, they'd have to replace that tax from somewhere. And I'm, I'm sure we'll come on to that. But um, so so you can't really do away with it. And the second thing is is that. Um, it's a really efficient tax for governments to collect. It, it doesn't distort any of our behaviours. Um, it doesn't. It, it just sits quietly in the background and generates this strong revenue, um, which governments can then use for their spending. So, so it's quite a quite a good tool in the government's tax um, sort of tax toolkit, really. What about the argument for increasing GST to say twenty five percent and across the board, everybody pays it, but you don't pay any income tax as such. Just just increase that GST, which would bring in a phenomenal sum of money, but no income tax. Would that be fairer then? No, I, don't, I think that would be less fair but for the very reasons that um, John's article points out. Because GST is regressive, the more you increase it, the uh, more regressive the effect is. That's the first thing. The second thing is we have very low rates of tax avoidance with GST. Um, and because it sort of sits in the background, it gets collected through the supply chain, through the retailers, etc. Um, but the more you push the GST rate up, the more in, the more incentive there is to to avoid it, and and you start to get difficulties administering the tax. So, I, I don't think GST should go any higher, um, but I think you've got to you'd have to think carefully about reducing it. Are you, sorry, James, you go. John Minto, uh, hi Jeff. John Minto says that. Um, the minimum wage worker pays nearly 30% of their income in tax, while the super rich uh, typically pay less than 10% of theirs. Do you agree with that? Yeah, well, um, I'm not sure I agree with the exact numbers, but that's only for a lack, lack of data as opposed to disagreeing with the principle. And again, he's, he's right in principle, and there's a, there's a couple of explanations, a couple of things to think about there. 
the first is um, if you're a family, if you have children as a as a minimum or median wage earner, most of that income tax is is, is rebated, credited back to you through working for families. So, so so New Zealand families um, at that median, below that, at or about that median wage, have pretty low levels of income tax, but they still pay the the, the GST. Right. Um, the, the the reason that the effective tax rate for the for the wealthy looks low, they still pay all of the income tax that they're supposed to plus GST. Um, but but the the whole or the, the gap in our tax system is we don't tax many capital gains. And mm. when you're wealthy, the wealthier you are, the more assets you own, the more likely you are to to earn capital gains. And we don't tax those. And and that's by design. So. You know, the wealthy still pay a very significant part of our current tax system. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I think 40, I looked it up. Uh, we haven't seen the numbers from Treasury since about 2019. But in 2019, I think the top 10% of earners paid 42% of all of our income tax. So, yeah. But but the issue is whether the the system is actually fair when the when the effective tax rate, as you describe, is, is 10% versus 30 Right. So then is the answer, is the whole answer then, and I'm loath to say it because it incites people, but is the answer capital gains on all your assets, be it houses, art, you know? Yes, yeah, it does incite people, but, but I think the tax working group, um, that was our conclusion, is that the gap in the system is is capital gains tax. Um, and it doesn't have to be on everything. Um, you know, it doesn't need to be on everything um, you can exclude um, your your family home you can exclude um, you know sort of the kiwi savers and things you, you would make it quite focused but but that would close the gap the problem with that and 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 the tax working group recommended it and the government obviously didn't go there because of the politics um, but the problem is that even even fully functioning and it would take some years to get into into fully functioning capital gains tax was forecast to raise about six billion dollars of revenue, which is very handy for the government to have. Mm. But if you compare that to the GST take of nearly thirty billion, yeah, you can see yeah. that it's not the answer. You can't just get rid of GST and bring in capital gains tax. Yeah, but it's about the principle, isn't it? Is the bright line test? Do you think a um, capital gains tax? <laughs> it, it it is in practice. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it's supposed to be a. We, we we have this thing where we tax capital gains if you purchase something with the intention of resale. That's the test, and it's a very hard test to administer. So the bright line test says, well, we're just going to deem you to have purchased it for the intention of resale if originally it was two years and it was five, now it's ten. But in reality, it's just a capital gains tax on a limited class of assets being uh, residential rental investment. We are very fortunate to have Jeff Nightingale, tax partner and board member of PwC, worked on the tax working group by joining us on the show, answering your texts and calls. Jeff, thank you very much again, mate. Well, good time. There is a text here from Jonathan, and he says, in Australia, the first $18,000 of your income is untaxed. You mentioned it before, Simon. Um, ask Jeff if he thinks that's a good idea for New Zealand, and if so, why is it not done? Yes, well, my daughter's in Australia at the moment, and she loves that eighteen thousand dollars tax-free threshold. <laughs> yeah, would it? Does it work? Is it? Would it make a difference? Well, look, yes, it, yes, it, yes, it does to a point. The, the 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 difficulty if you've not got a tax-free threshold, which we don't, to go there is expensive. We we collect a lot of tax across the whole economy at that you know that first fourteen thousand dollars at ten and a half percent. We rebate 
most of that tax to families, or in fact all of it at that level, um, but single people or single earners without children, they, they, they bear that 10%. A tax-free threshold is, is a good thing for low earners, but it's expensive to move from where we are today to where Australia is at the moment. Mm. And again, that's the kind of thing you might be able to do if you had a capital gains tax and you recycled the revenues so that the overall tax take didn't go up, but you just redistributed where it was where it was being paid. Right. Can I just jump in there on that? Because the capital gains thing, you know, it, it, again, it polarises people. I think I used to be opposed to it. I think I've come around to the idea now. I really have. But you said if we did impose a capital gains, it would bring in about six million. Is that the number you mentioned, Jeff? Yeah. Six, six billion. Six billion, yeah. I beg your pardon. Yes, yeah, so six billion. That's the estimates. Right. Yeah. But isn't that still woefully short of what's needed? Don't we need a whole lot more than that to fix what's broken in this country? Well, this, that now we're getting into sort of public finance, really, rather than tax. But, but not really. The, the, the tax system is currently collecting about $100 billion of revenue from Kiwis, and it's forecast to climb over the next few years up to about $115 billion. And, and you know, that, that's about 30% of GDP. I don't think you want to collect more tax than that. Yeah, um, fair, yeah. And that seems to be enough to service our debt and, and build our roads and things. And, you know, we, we all argue about how we should spend that. That's, pop, that's politics, and that's mm. great. That's fine. But it seems to be enough, and I don't think we'd get more. The question is, is where do we raise that $100 billion from? What's the right balance between GST, income tax, perhaps a, a capital gains tax? Right. Jeff, a texter, Jeremy, says if a wealthier individual buys a $230,000 car, they've just paid $30,000 in GST, which is considerably more than a low-income individual earner gets taxed for a whole year. Is that fair to look at it that way? Um, it, it's accurate to look at it that way. Um, I, I, I call that the Paul Henry argument because he made that point many years ago. Um, and, and it's a good... Um, it, 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 it's it's the, it's accurate. The, the the relevance is the person buying the two hundred and thirty thousand dollar car may well have an income of several million dollars, and they may well be saving some of those millions in, into investments, and therefore not paying GST. So their their percentage of GST against their income is lower than the than the lower income person, even mm. if their total GST paid is more. Right. Uh, there's a good text from Murray, and again, this is this is why we've loved having you on yeah. because you, this is your field, and it's for most people, it's not. We get it, we understand it to a point, but it's the the weeds, as I call them, that is really interesting. And Murray says, uh, Jeff, read this tax discussion. I think it was Gareth Morgan who said we should have a flat income tax rate of twenty percent and put GST to twenty percent. That way, everyone has more in their pocket, and those with higher incomes pay less tax. They'll spend more of that money on goods and services more GST for the government. Then it becomes a consumption tax. Does that work? Yeah, yeah. Gareth Morgan put out um, in the first tax working group in about 2008-9, he put out an alternative view called, he called it the Big Kuna. Um, That's right. Yeah, there's still a little book floating around. And and his proposition was a flat, um, I think it was 30% though, tax, and then then essentially a universal basic income, essentially. and, and in theory, that could work, but it would be a massive change. But he was going to levy that tax not just on income, but also on, on wealth and capital accumulation as well. So, in other words, there was, there was a capital gains tax built into that. Right. Um, and um, I think the problem, 
the problem with that proposal is it, it is it, it's hard to get there from where you are today because um, it would be a massive exercise in redistributing who paid what, and it would be hard to build political support. But it's got some theoretical merit. Right. Last thing, uh, John Minto also mentions in his story, and this is not news to you, I'm sure, not news to most people, but the National Party recently came out and said they would like, they would introduce tax cuts if they were the government, right? And, you know, I think for the lowest, um, you know, minimum wage people, they'd give them 112 bucks a year. If you earn over 55K, about 800 extra dollars a year, high income earners would get about $18,000. Is a tax cuts the way to increase? Because this is an age old argument. Are tax cuts the way to put more money into the system? Forget about inflation for now. Um, is it the way to put more money into the system and do better for the economy and therefore all of us or not, in your view? So, so it could be if a couple of things hold true. The first thing would be if, 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 if taxes are too high and they're causing sort of damage to your economic growth, then reducing taxes can help. Um, I'm not sure that taxes are too high in New Zealand at the moment. You know, we'd, mm. all, we'd all like to pay less, but, mm. you know, I'm, I'm talking at a, at a broad level. Um, and, then, and then the second thing is um, to the extent that tax cuts go to the high earners, they're more likely to save them as opposed to um, as opposed to consume. So that now that's the same. yeah, that's a very good point, and I think that's where the discussion often gets to. Jeff, thank you very very yeah. much for your time. Not nice to talk, Simon. Thanks, James. Kia ora.